today is Vision Sunday. And you know what? This atmosphere right now, this is like the perfect way, I think, to capture what this Sunday is about. Joy, laughter, celebration. Our church is eight years old today. Eight years old, okay? Now, some of you guys have been a part of this journey from the very beginning. Many of you guys have not. And the reality is, when we planted the church... There weren't a lot of us that were overly confident that we were going to be around in eight years. We knew that God was faithful. We knew that God was calling us to plant this church. And we knew that God was going to be with us. That's all we knew. That's all we knew. And we just simply obeyed and just kind of went forward. And here we are now, eight years. And today we have an opportunity again to look back even as we dream forward. I want to tell you a story about what was one of the major catalysts for us planting this church. In the first year of our church, I was having a dinner with one of my friends. I was getting to know this guy. He was not a Christian. Doing really, really well for himself. Some people would say he sort of reached the pinnacle of his career and success. And yet I knew that this guy, because he would share with me, just had deep yearning and searching in his heart. This void, this vacuum, this hole that nothing could fill. And he and I would have very honest conversations. One night, we're over dinner, having a nice steak, over steak dinner, you know, my favorite meal. And we started talking about our lives. And he looks over the table and he says this to me. He says, Peter, he says, most, people would be, most people would be envious of my life. I've got everything. I've got the material things. I've got a great job. Date whoever I want. And yet he says, by the way, did I tell you, he, he owned horses. That's how rich he is, okay? He owns horses. I'm like, who the heck owns horses in the city of Chicago? You know what I'm saying? So he owned horses. He says to me, he's like, and I, I try not to laugh, but he says, he says, there are times and I feel like the only people I could, only, only he said people, but only, you know, people that I could talk to are my horses. I just, I go to the stable and I just talk to them because I feel this enormous thing inside. And he says, I, I've worked all my life to get to this stage. And I fear that it was all for nothing. And I was reminded that night as I went home that we live in the city of Chicago where there are people that are very attractive, very successful, very smart, doing well for themselves. That are dying inside. People on the outside, many of us perhaps even look at and be envious, and yet inside they are dying. They're some of the most lonely, most empty, empty feeling, some of the most desperately searching people. And by the way, who are incredibly good and talented at faking it. As I drove home that night, first year of our church plan, it's almost as if the Holy Spirit was in my ear and saying, Peter, look out to the city of Chicago. Look around at people in your generation, generations coming after you that don't know Jesus. Look at the people who want nothing to do with God because of what people have done in the name of Jesus. Look at the people in this city who don't have a relationship with God or care to have a relationship with God. And at the outside, we actually look at these people and we say, why would they need God? And many of us this morning are saying, why would they need God? And the reason why we're looking at these people just externally going, why would they need God? Is because most of us in this room are with people seven days a week that are already moving in the direction of God. People who already know this God. No wonder we don't look around and go, there are people that are... Dying without Jesus in the gospel. See, if we claim to know God and to love God and yet don't make any room in our lives for people who don't know Jesus, then those very same people will think that God, Jesus, is not interested in them. 
And yet, if we have room in our lives and there are intentional relationships being built with people who don't know Jesus and we show interest in them, then they will know and they will come to know a God who is intimately and powerfully interested in them and having a relationship with them. When we started this church seven years ago, you need to know that we dreamt of a place where people understood that the church didn't exist for us. We started this church to create a space where people would gather, followers of Jesus Christ would gather, but at the bottom of, the, of this, that we would understand that the church, new community doesn't exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. We didn't want to create a place where people would come and say, boy, there's great fellowship there. You know, there's great just community. There's great, and, 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 and yet there's nothing being outward, nothing propelling us outward. We didn't want to create a place where people would come to church because it fed them, you know? We didn't want to create a place where people came because the worship was cool. We wanted to create a place where people understood this very identity about us and that we are the church and we exist for the world. This deal here isn't about Christians coming together. And by the way, if you don't, you're not on board with this, if this doesn't quite resonate with you, then you need to look for another church. We exist not for us. We exist for the world. And for those outside of these walls that don't know Christ or know Christ but have walked away from him. We exist for the world. In, in, in a simple, simple way, you know, because I'm not going to get real complicated today. Here's the way to summarize the very identity of who we are as God's people and, and the church. We are, put this up there, Josh, we are sent people. We are sent people. By the way, I prepared sermon notes. Did you notice that? Yeah. It took a lot of work. <laughs> Don't laugh. And by the way, those of you are going, oh my gosh, it's going to be a two-hour sermon. Don't worry about it. Okay, uh, here's, here's the deal for today. Here, here, here's, the deal, here's the deal for today, okay? Here's the deal for today. All the scripture passages, okay? I'm just going to plow right through, okay? So for those of you that are like worried, look, here's my job today. Here's my job today. All I want to do today is I want to be, I wanna be the, the opening act for the, for the real band, you know? Okay? I, I want to be the assist man for the, for the guy who scores, um, and I'm running out of analogy. Somebody help me out here. You know, you all know what I'm saying. I'm kind of the, you know, I'm, anyway. So that's all I want to do. I just want to set the table and I want to, Vision Sunday, I want to, I want you to see a picture. I want to see portraits. I want you to see and hear stories of men and women in our church who get this, that we are sent people. And the way they're living this out. Because I could talk about this theologically and many of you walk out going, what does it mean for us to be sent to people? It could look like this, look like this. We have video testimonies and we have live testimonies of people in our church who are living this out. So you walk out of here going, so that's what he's talking about. John chapter 20, uh, John chapter 17, verse 18. Jesus comes along and says, Father, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them. John 20, verse 21. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. We who are followers of Jesus, you guys, are sent people. That is at the core of identity of who we are. We are a sent people. The word mission comes from the Latin word missio, which means having been sent. That's why it is profound when you think about the fact that we, our, our mission, our identity is, we are sent to demonstrate and to proclaim. 
We are sent to demonstrate and proclaim individually, corporately. Both here in our schools and our neighbors and our communities, in the city of Chicago and all over the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. We are on a mission. We have been sent to demonstrate and to proclaim the good news that in the person and work of Jesus Christ, God fully accomplishes salvation for us, rescuing us from judgment and from sin into fellowship with him. And then God restores and renews all of creation where we can enjoy new life together with him forever. We are sent to proclaim this powerful message that God fully in Jesus Christ accomplishes salvation for us where sinners can be reconciled to their God and we can participate in this renewal, ultimate restoration project that God is up to. We are a, say it with me, sent people. We are sent people. So here's what I want to do. I lay a brief sort of biblical foundation context, and then I want you to see portraits and pictures of what it means for us to be sent, hence the notes. I want you to see that us being sent out as a mission has its origin in a sending God who sends his son Jesus, who then sends us as a church, and then we are sent individually and corporately to proclaim and demonstrate the good news. So let's look at it first. The sending God. Do you know that from every page in the Old Testament, we see that God's nature is to be a sending God. A sending God. We see from the very beginning as God chooses a family to begin this mission. It's found in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your household. And go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. The whole story of Abraham, the whole narrative, is this this mission that God has for them as he sends him out. By the way, throughout scripture is this fundamental theological principle. God never calls you in without also sending you out. God never blesses you, but that you might be a blessing unto others. Throughout Genesis to Revelation, let me show you another one. Exodus chapter 3. This is where God calls Moses. Got the whole burning bush deal, you know, at the beginning of chapter 3. And here's where they talk. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. The cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. And check this out, verse 10. So now, Moses, go. I am, say with me, sending you to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I will be with you. Stop right here. God never sends us out without also promising that he will be with us. Genesis to Revelation, God says, I send you, but I go with you. I send you, but I go with you. I send you, but I go with you. Is that encouraging to anybody? Because you all know someplace, some of you, you've been sent to some difficult, hard places. And you're saying, God, am I alone? And scripture says, never are you alone. I am with you. It goes on. Verse 12 
I will be with you. This will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God. God said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. God never calls you in without sending you out. And then we come to Exodus chapter 19. The people of Israel have been delivered from slavery in Egypt and they're beginning to be formed as a nation of God's people. And look what God says. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. You will be for me a kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give. There is not a single place in the Old Testament where we don't see God establishing his pattern for mission. He calls a group of people. He loves them, enters into a covenant relationship with them. And God doesn't say, now, isn't this great? Isn't this awesome? You and me, this beautiful relationship, quiet time, devotion, isn't this great spiritual vitality? God says, I call you in. I love you. Enter into a covenant relationship with you so that I can send you out. So I can send you out. Little Bible Sunday school lesson. How did Israel do? (laughs) That's the whole summary of Old Testament, you know? God calls them to be sent out. How did Israel do? Not so well. When you look carefully through the Old Testament, the sin of Israel, yes, it's idolatry, and yes, it's injustice, so on and so forth. But the, the, the sin of Israel is that they failed to live out their mission as what? Sent people. They became ethnocentric. They became about their culture, about rules and about regulations. And instead of living out this missional call to be sent out among the nations, Israel became inward-focused. Nothing good happens when people become inward focused. I shared this on our uh, first uh, Sunday back as we picked up Acts series. It's funny to me when people talk about churches, and I see dying churches, and a lot of dying churches say, we, we're not doing very good in terms of missional, but boy, the fellowship is great. You got a group of people that know each other, you know, they're all related to each other, you know, they're all, you know, so on and so forth. And I said this, I'm sorry for the imagery that is to come, but I said this, you know, uh, churches that claim to be about fellowship, you know, there's intimacy there, but but it's kind of like walking in on two people making out, you know. I mean, it's intimate, but you're not particularly inclined to join. (laughs) I told you, I warned you about the imagery, right? God help us if our church ever becomes about, oh, the fellowship is great, community is great, but a person who is lost without Christ, a person who has walked away from God, would walk into this place and feel uncomfortable because they don't sense an openness to their being embraced. One of the things that breaks my heart is when visitors come to our church and they say, new community is cliquish. And they talk about how groups of people come to church on Sunday. I wasn't planning on saying this, but it's too late. So here I go. People talk about coming to communion, and they see two things. Number one, it's so big, and I feel overwhelmed. 
which is, you know, I mean, there's Willow Creek big, and then there's New Community. You know what I mean? I mean? It's all relative, I guess, you know? But okay, I understand. You came from a small church, family church, 50 people. Listen, big. But the other thing that breaks my heart is when people say the church has this cliquish nature to it. And I feel like an outsider that can't quite be a part of this body. The nation of Israel, instead of living out their mission as sent at people, began to resurrect walls of self-righteousness. And they failed in their mission. What does God do? God says, I guess we're done. We're, we're done. We're, 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 we're done with the, the mission plan I have. God doesn't do that. Here's all the prophetic books in a nutshell. God says, they didn't do it, but a redeemer is coming. A savior is coming. A suffering servant, in the words of Isaiah, is coming, who will fulfill the mission to be sent. Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, Isaiah says, because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me. Count the number of times today when I'm going to say the word sent, okay? I may suck at this sermon. You have no idea what I talked about, but I guarantee you when you walk out and your friends over lunch, you go, what was the sermon about? He said something about being sent. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to announce the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So the Old Testament ends with this expectation, with this anticipation that what Israel has failed to do, to be living out their lives as the sent people of God. People look forward and saying, ah, but someday somebody will come. And 600 years later, Let me just tell it in my narrative. It's found in Luke chapter 4. People walked and went to church just as normal, expecting it was going to be a normal day, right? So Joseph and Barnabas are up in their temples, their synagogue, whatever, worshiping. All of a sudden, this guy named Jesus, who they had heard about, was doing miracles, and he's saying some really whacked out things, like he's the son of God, the prophet. The service is going on, and Jesus, it was customary at the time when those services were being held. Part of the sermon, sermon time, was that a rabbi would get a scroll of a reading from the Old Testament, and sometimes it was part of the history, the, the, the five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, and sometimes it was the prophetic books. And what would happen during the service is after they would chant some Hallel during this time of the service, somebody would get a scroll and read from that scroll and, you know, say a word or two about interpreting it. This found in Luke chapter 4. Jesus is in the temple that day. And Jesus gets handed a scroll, just like usual. He opens it up, and, and, and of course, he opens it up, and it's the book of Isaiah. And then he picks out his passage, and by the way, it's Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. Jesus reads what we just read, okay? He reads it. All the, now all the eyes are fixed on Jesus, and they're going, there's nothing unusual about that. Rabbis would read that passage all the time, and they're familiar with it, but the... the Interesting about this day is Jesus gets done. He hands back the scroll. And people are anticipating Jesus to say a word, interpretation about this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And Jesus simply says, here's the sermon, y'all. Here's what he says. 
history is fulfilled today. What the scripture has promised, in your hearing, here am I. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine? I'm, I'm thinking. So Joseph and Barnabas go home. And people are like, how was church today? Church was off the chain, y'all. What happened? What happened? You would never, I've never heard anything like it. What happened? That dude, Jesus Carpenter, he got up. What did he do? He read, you know, like the Isaiah 61 passage, the Spirit of the Lord. Yeah, I know that passage. He read it. He looked out. He was like, that's me. We're like, no. He's like, yeah. We're like, what? <laughs> that's how I envision it. You know, they all go on telling this story. Jesus said, he said, what? He said, yeah, what? But the people will come to know, you guys, that Jesus would repeat this theme over and over and over again. He lived in his sentness. He lived with an awareness that he was sent, that he has a mission for life. Look, at, if you want to do a study of this, do a study of John 5. Uh, John, 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 all of the book of John, actually. I'm going to read from John 5. The whole gospel of John, if you've really studied it, is this theme of Jesus. Sandra, you studied New Testament, right, John? The whole theme of sentness of Jesus. Powerful book. Powerful book. But let me give you an excerpt. John 5, verse 23. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. For the very work that the Father has given me finish, and which I am doing, testifies that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. Now, you want to know what this, was me- this meant for Jesus? John 4, the chapter right before, is the story of Jesus with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. Of course, she's, you know, had five husbands, and right now kind of shacking up with the guy who's not her husband. And Jesus confronts her with the truth and the beauty of the gospel, and he heals her and restores her. While that thing's happening, the disciples have been out getting lunch for Jesus, and they come back, and they say, Jesus, aren't you hungry? And you know what Jesus says? This is the most fascinating thing. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And he says to the disciples, look up, look out. And he says, look at all the people that are coming to us that don't know me. Look at all the people of this town, this community, who are broken without the God. Look at all the people. Look out. Look out. And he says, my food that's more important than physical food is to do the will of him who sent me. That is to reach out. And he says, do you see? That's how you and I begin to think when we realize that we are sent people. We live with this awareness that God has a mission for us. And dare I say that for some of us, that we would get to that place where we so resonate with this calling that we are sent to people, that we too would respond the way Jesus did when we say, I have something even more important than food, and that is to do the will of my Father who has sent me. I don't know you, but I know this about you. You are a sent child. I don't know you, but I know this about you. 
Where you are today is not by accident. Your work, your school, your neighborhood, your family communities, you have been, say with me, sent. You are not there by accident. Some of us have the audacity to think I'm at there because chance, circumstance, This is what I do after I graduate. Couldn't get another job, so they decided to hire me. It's just a temporary thing. That's the family I was born into. What can I do? That's the city. Didn't want to be in Chicago. I hate this weather. Hate the cold. I'd rather be in LA and Southern California. But here I am. We actually think that it is by accident, coincidence, that we are where we are today. And I'm telling you today the truth, that you have been sent to where you are. Say, why, why would God care about me about that? He knows the number of hair on your head for crying out loud. He cares. You. Where you are today, you have been sent with a mission. How many of you understand that and know that? How many of you know and understand? Because if we did, we would not get up in the morning and say, I can't wait till I get another job. A sense person says, God, give me the strength and empower me to live out my mission here today. A sense person doesn't wait around for the next city to move to because Chicago just doesn't cut it. You have been, say it with me, sent. Do you realize that? Jesus lived with an awareness of his sentness to demonstrate and proclaim the reign of God. Now check this out. Don't miss this. Here's where I pivot, and I'm just going to go to the side and show you snapshots. The once never to be repeated work of Jesus and his mission to die on the cross and to rise again, to reconcile sinful humanity to God and to create a new world. That mission doesn't end with Jesus, does it? Who continues it? Say it. Who continues it? Who continues it? Say it. The church. We do. We do. We do. The sending God, by his nature sending, sends Jesus. And Jesus lives in his sentness. And Jesus, at the end of his life, had the audacity to say, and he had to drill it into the heads of his disciples over and over again, just like I have to drill it into our heads over and over again. He says, just as the Father has sent me, now I send you. Look at these passages. Hopefully they'll come alive to you. The sending God sends Jesus and Jesus sends the church. John 17, 15. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. Everybody look up here. I love that prayer. Do you know why? Because Jesus doesn't pray like what we pray. Oh God, I pray that you would, you know, deliver them from that thing that they're in. Oh God, I pray that you would deliver them from that job, that nasty job, that stinking job, that hard job. Give them another. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, I pray that you would stay, live your sentness and your mission, but that I would give you strength to endure. Hmm? He says, I don't pray, God, for the easy way out. 
I want them to stay in the world, even though they're not of the world, and I want them to fulfill the mission for which I've sent them. They are no more defined by the world than I'm defined by the world. Make them wholly consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrating truth in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world. I give them a mission in the world. John 20 verse 21. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Just the way he sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And the ultimate, the ultimate sort of scripture, scripture uh, teaching that we have been sent by Jesus as his representatives to proclaim and declare the gospel is found in Acts 1.1. This should be very familiar to you if you've been with us, Church Without Wall series, for the last four years. Dear Theophilus, in my first book, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was, uh, ascended to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instruction from the Holy Spirit. Luke is saying what Jesus began to do as I chronicled in the book of Luke, I am now chronicling the book of Acts and what Jesus will continue to do is what the church does. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on. By the way, can I just say something? Is it encouraging to anybody that he doesn't send us out alone but with, but he also sends us out empowered by the Spirit? Amen. Is that good news? Is that good news? Because you know why? If you actually think about our mission and our sentness in our everyday lives, our knees should knock and we should be freaking out because we don't have what it takes. And yet Jesus says, you do not go alone. I will empower you. I love that imagery. Do you know I love that imagery? Genesis 1, what does God do when he creates Adam? He what? He's breathing life again and saying, mission. But I can't. Of course you can't. <laughs> That's why I'm going to do it through you. Okay. Anyway, but you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are, say it with me, sent people to demonstrate and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to the extent to which we do that, people will see Jesus in us. I said this before in the book of Acts 11. Christians didn't call themselves Christians. The unbelieving world looked at them and said, Christ followers, Christians, they are Christians. Unbelievers saw them and identified them as followers of Jesus. Today, we call ourselves Christians and the unbelieving world calls us hypocrites. Anybody want to switch that? You can clap today. Anybody want to change that imagery? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I said this before too. If we are true, the embodiment of Christ, the church, Jesus, Jesus, church, then we shouldn't have the name church in new community's name. People should just know. By looking at us going, oh, that's a church, y'all. That's a group of Christ followers. That's a church. They should be obvious. Just like you and I don't go around going, hi, I'm Peter. I'm human, by the way. 
in case you didn't know. It's obvious. Why do we need to go around saying we are part of the new community covenant church? People should just hear new community and say the church of Jesus Christ, followers of Christ, embodying, proclaiming the gospel. We get it. We know it. You're that church. One last passage, and I'm done. Ephesians 2.10. He creates each one of us by Christ to join him in the work that he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Can I just say this, and then we're going to hear stories. If Jesus could rise from the dead, we could rise from our beds. If Jesus Christ, Michael, I sound like an old black Baptist preacher. If Jesus could rise from the dead, we could rise from the bed. Oh, I didn't mean to. I don't want to. Here's what I mean by that. If Jesus could rise from the dead, every single one of us in this room could certainly get off our lazy boy couches and our pews and live out the resurrection life within us. If Jesus could rise from the dead, we who are empowered by his resurrection life could certainly live out our lives as sent people. We've got no excuses. None whatsoever. If Jesus could rise from the dead, we can get out of bed. That's what I said. I guess my career as a hip-hop artist is, like, done right now, right? I ain't going to make it as a rapper. I want you to hear snapshot and stories. This is the best part about today. The people in our church who are living their lives as sent people. Pastor Mike, can you get the lights? I'll just tell you stories today. This is Nate and Kimmy and their friend, Gloria. Sent people. Here we go. Eventually, it became completely impossible to ignore that I needed to, to at least just say something to Gloria, like initiate something. So I just left this note on her door. I was like, hey, you know, can we have you over for dinner, which sounds so domestic. Um, and we don't usually do that. But uh, so we went out of, we kind of tried it, and she said yes. And I was so excited that it actually worked, you know, like, okay. And I had, and it was really awesome because I didn't have an agenda. I just knew that I had to do this and I couldn't ignore the spirit telling me to and I couldn't in all likelihood tell her that the Holy Spirit of God told me to invite her to dinner so I just you know just we just had her for dinner and we just talked about baseball and things that we had in common the misconception about her profession that I had for some reason and um, and just really really slowly and organically I think developed a friendship and started to see that we had a lot in common in spite of maybe what the world would have said like we didn't have in common. One day, it was a few months later probably, uh, Kimmy had left a note on my door kind of wanting to maybe, you know, get together and have dinner or something. And so I welcomed that request. And we started to kind of get to know each other then just in general on a high level. There was no talk about church or God or anything like that. But we started to kind of talk a little bit more and more. And uh, I had a lot of questions. Because I was, like I said, I was feeling like I was spiritual, but didn't like the organized religion aspect. Um, but then they started telling me about some of the things that they were doing here with New Community, and I was kind of, kind of piqued my interest. And so that's how it kind of got started. It was slow, but it got started that way. A lot of the relationship with Gloria was just like, I was intentionally trying to be 
just a really good friend if I could, and then um, and in, in spite of myself sometimes. And so, and there was a lot of moments where I thought I was like, I could just, I could just talk and talk and talk and tell her all the stuff that I feel and think and have read in the Bible, but it wasn't, it wasn't right. Like it, she wasn't at the point where that would have made any sense at all. Um, so I just like the two of us, we just like prayed about it a lot, and we had our community groups praying about her, and um, just really, like in our own spiritual walk, we knew that God was being active, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to make that a, like a scary, weird burden on her to think that like these neighbors are like talking to God <laughs> about me, like I don't even believe in this God, you know. Um, so, and then in like in that naturalness, in that relationship that developed, I was amazed at how what God was doing to mm-hmm. for Gloria and in Gloria, because like she would come and be like, "Hey, so what's up with this church you go to?" or so when you say God, what do you mean? And and the questions, I love you, Gloria. The questions, the Holy Spirit himself spoke through me because some of these questions were out of control big. Like, I couldn't have answered them on my own. A lot of questions started to generate more questions and more questions. And so I just started to really get more interested in thinking that there has to be something more. Kimmy and Nate, um, they had invited me to join them to go to church. And I did go initially once or twice, but, you know, kind of backed off a little bit. Um, But then I started to come more on a regular basis, perhaps not every week, but maybe every other week. And um, this one Sunday, uh, I don't know, I felt the need. I think it was uh, Kimmy told me that she was going to be volunteering to do prayer uh, with individuals that needed it. But at the time, she, you know, she said, you can come and pray with me if you want, you know. And I'm like, well, you know, I got a lot of, a lot of personal stuff going on. And, and she knows most of it, but, you know, obviously not everything. And it was a communion uh, day. So at the time, I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to go pray with Kimmy. I'm just going to go to communion, you know, say a prayer, and then head out. Because, you know, it's just what I was going to do. But when I went when I went to get up to um, to leave, there were a bunch of people in my way, and the only way to get out was to go around the front and pass Kimmy. <laughs> so I was gonna leave, but something said, you know, why don't you stop? She was standing there; nobody was with her at the time. So I did. I stopped, and um, and we prayed. The Sunday that um, she that we prayed together was sort of how I, I view it as. I was, I was with the prayer team sort of waiting for folks after communion to pray. They wanted to pray, and she came up to me, and um, she said, she's like, I don't, I don't really know what it means, but I think I just prayed that God would come into my heart. And, and I was just like, <gasps> you know, just like started crying, and um, it's like, we need to pray, you know. Um, but simultaneously sort of realizing that that is a really, like, that, that's a church phrase. And, and I don't, at the time, I was so excited, and I couldn't believe that God had gotten us this far, you know, that this had happened. Gloria, this beautiful question asker, started saying some, something to the effect of, well, I'm not a perfect person, so why would, like, why would God want me, or something like that. And I was like, well, we're, none of us are perfect people. That's the whole point. I feel like I'm still at the very beginning of the path of learning. Um, I still feel somewhat, in a sense, guilty that I'm not, like I haven't jumped into the pool. I still have my toe in the water. And, I'm, I, you know, I haven't really gone in 
full 100%, but um, I'm on a journey. I'm learning more. Um, I guess the biggest thing is, you know, uh, I guess you talked about it today too, that I am not alone. The things that I have gone through in my, in my life, um, where I, I didn't have control, I was a child, um, why? And why I've grown to be who I am, and I guess that there's a reason and a purpose for that. And, um, you know, I don't know if I'll ever understand that, but at least I know, or I, I'm starting to feel like I'm not alone. I have seen God do things that either I forgot that he could do or never saw in the first place. Um, well, quite, no, quite honestly, I never saw him do anything this miraculous in my life. He gave me a friend, and he gave me someone that I could uh, be an awkward teacher to, um, but also learn from at the same time, and, um, and I feel like uh, it's this really incredibly nuanced relationship, and um, I'm incredibly blessed to have seen it happen and to be a part of her new sort of family, um, and to, to continue to walk down this road and to be her friend and to be her confidant and to continue to expend energy and glory as we have because she's so worth it, you know, so... Church, we clap and celebrate that. We clap and celebrate that. Yes. Yeah, God. Yes. 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 Gloria and Nate, can you, will you just kind of stand from where you're at? Just stand from where you're at. Okay. Yep, yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The thing that I love about their story is when Kimmy is honest enough to admit and say, I forgot God could do this. It's like a lot of us in here. Have you forgotten that God could change lives? How would you know if you're never with someone who needs God? Second story, testimony, snapshot, portrait, it's live. Grace and Tony, come on up, okay? Give them a big hand, okay, give them a big hand, come on up. Big, big hand. Come on. Oh, you guys could do better. Don't be late. Come on now. Woo! All right. Tony, come sit right here. Sit right here. Tony's a little shy. He's a little afraid. So, you know, I got to make him feel welcome, right? All right. This is Grace. This is Tony. And uh, their, their stories, again, is kind of an amazing story of what we're talking about when we talk about snapshots of being sent. So, Grace... What do you do? That's it. That's the question. What do you do? It's just like, is there a follow-up? No, I said, go ahead. Um, I'm a sixth grade teacher in um, Cameron Elementary, which is located in West Humble Park. Um, I work with sixth grade math students, um, so I teach math to four different classes every day. Thank you. Tony, what do you do? Play sports. Play sports. That's a good answer, okay? <laughs> um, you know... Grace, or as you call her, Miss Han, because she was your teacher, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. What, you, what kind of a teacher was she? I don't know if this mic is. What kind of a teacher was she? And, and tell us a little bit about why she was somebody that you respected and, and, and you wanted to follow. Right. Well, when I first um, got into this high class, this is great. Um, I knew her a little bit because I was loading up math. 
Well, not to the math, but uh, I used to play basketball with her, and he was in the class, and he used to hang out with her a lot. Okay. And that's how I met her. And then when I got in her classroom, um, she, um, she was trying to be funny. She was trying to be funny. <laughs> All the, te- all the teachers are like just groaning because you know that's what your kids think about you. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, she was telling jokes and she made us like decide who better between the socks and the cup. Okay. And she told us the socks she's going to She's going to do something to you. Yikes. Okay. After that, it was just real nice. Like when she was at homework, yeah. she wrote her number on the board. She said, if we need help with homework, to yeah. call her. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Grace, uh, you have sort of took a particular interest in Tony. By the way, Tony's also known as Speedy, okay? he's fast on the basketball court. Yes, he's really fast on the basketball court. So just tell us about kind of, you know, your relationship kind of as teacher-student, how that, how that blossomed. Well, uh, Speedy liked to stay after school. Um, we played computer games. We played paper ball instead of basketball. Um, we turned on the radio. He danced to uh, songs on GCI. Um, I mean, it was just, you know, very easy going, but he was there every day after school, just kind of hanging out with me. Um, and so I would go to his basketball games, uh, we'd eat at McDonald's after, and through that, I was really able to share about my life. Yeah, yeah. You felt comfortable sharing about your faith as a school teacher? Um, I know it's not always the right thing to do, but I did because as I shared about my weekend, you know, it, it naturally came up, yeah. and he was naturally curious and sure. really wanted to know what was going on sure sure and speedy you actually asked grace if you can come to church with her yeah well technically it was my friend okay uh-huh okay <laughs> <laughs> i do my research sorry <laughs> right. yeah. what did you think of our church when you first visited um i thought you were funny because like i talked that <laughs> Right. And, um, they disagree. You remember what I talked about? Okay. What did I talk about that day? <laughs> now, November 15th is a very special day, Grace. Tell us why. Unforgettable day. Um, November 15th is actually the same Sunday that Gloria decided to um, accept the Lord, and that's also the same date as Tony. And so on that date, like we said, it was Communion Sunday, and um, we're just in our seats, and I was preparing my heart and praying for those who would accept you know, Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior that day. And as I'm praying, I feel a little nudge from Speedy next to me, and um, I thought I just imagined it, so I continued praying, but he continued to nudge me. And he handed me a bulletin, and on that bulletin, um, it said, I think I do, meaning he wanted to accept the Lord that day. And so I asked him once again if that's really what was on his heart, and he asked me to um, join him and walk, walk with him towards the front of the sanctuary. Yeah. What was you going through your mind that day? Well, um, when you was talking that day, um, you was like, whoever wants to um, marry a Christian, whoever wants to accept the Lord, come up front. Yeah. And I was, I was curious about it. I wanted to come. Yeah. But I was waiting for somebody else to go first. And when nobody goes. They all think that. They'll never be the first. So you, you wanted to, but you're scared. Nobody did. 
Such a beautiful story of community. Now, Grace, you, you also said that the church came around in an amazing way. That the, by the way, man, Tony, you know, during, during greeting time, he's going up and down the aisles. Hey, how you doing? Before service, there are people coming. I didn't realize you knew so many people out here. But the church community has really come around, Tony. Just share a little bit about how. So, I mean, even on that Sunday, there's yeah. so many people really taking interest in, um, in Tony and wanting to get to know him. So, you know, just initially meeting him then. And week by week, there's certain things happening that I'm truly thankful for because he's been surrounded by nothing but love. Um, yes. For example, one of the sisters in our church purchased a Bible for him. Um, it came in this amazing cardboard case, and she also gave him a zipper. And he like zipper case? A zipper case, okay. you know, that covers the Bible, and he has... So excited about this Bible, wants to keep it in mint condition that he still keeps it inside the cardboard case and places that cardboard case inside the zipper cover, (laughs) you know. And so he, he not only, you know, has that sister really come along, but so many brothers and sisters being open about their lives. And therefore that results in him sharing about his life. It's just really been beautiful. Man, is is it a beautiful testimony, a beautiful story? Okay. You want to say something else, Tony? You still have the box? Okay. As long as you open it and read it once in a while, okay? That's a, all right. You know what this story reminds me of? Uh, this reminds me of that, the truth that God is at work. Amen? We have no idea that God is at work, and yet he is everywhere. What will it take for us to open our eyes and see so that we just cooperate with God in the work that he is doing? Tony, I, I'm scared about what you're going to say, but is there anything you want to say to our congregation and your church family? <laughs> Did I say that too fast? No. The church family, the church family here, they, they've been wonderful to you. What has that meant for you, for them to be your friend, to come around you? Let's give God a big hand for what he's doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. 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 Michael. One more snapshot. Here we go. This is the story of Malama and Annie, a special, special friendship. I met Malama in the summer. How long ago? Two, about two and a half, almost three years ago. About two and a half, three years ago. Um, I was kind of on the front porch yelling <laughs> on my phone. <laughs> and she was just kind of sitting down there. We lived in the same building complex. And um, I had been going through a lot uh, emotionally. So I was taking it all out and having a meltdown. And she just kind of came up the stairs and was like, are you okay? Do you need help? <laughs> Girl, I was in a twist. Do you <laughs> You need somebody to talk to. <laughs> so uh, we talked, and it was like an everyday thing after that. Yeah. Every night, she would get home from work, having about maybe 11.30 at night. She'd come in the house, put her daughter in the bed. She'd come back on the porch. She's on the phone. I'd come outside. I said, I'm my little buddy. And so I sit downstairs. 
you know, because she was she lived on the first floor. I lived in the basement, and so I would come out and I would sit right there. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna go and interrupt while she's on the phone. And you know, she looked down one night. One night I did that, and she said, "Ah!" And she didn't know I was down there. <laughs> she scared me, and she got me like that a couple of times too. But you know, we, 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 we've kind of bonded ever since then. You know, I'm. I don't know how to really explain it to you. God puts people in your life for a reason. And definitely, he put my mama in my life for a reason. Even though she don't to be my daughter, I still call her my mama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, friends, I think um, people don't realize that other people are watching them. Um, people in your workplace are watching you. Um, they just they want to know how it's working for you. They want to know how it's affecting your life. And the only way that they could really know that is if they really knew you as a friend. If they, if they had that open door into your life and they can, you know, see the proof that you are who you say you are and God is doing what, he's, what you're telling them that he's doing in your life. Other than that, you're just somebody speaking. They're telling a story. Right, right. They live it through your friendship. I uh, decided to bring Maya to your community because... Uh, she was always asking questions <laughs> that I didn't always have answers for. Yeah. Um, she wanted to know uh, why I choose the you know the church that I chose, which at the time I was new to new community new community too. Um, I actually followed uh, Philip to new community. And I had been out of church for a long time, and I told her that you know even though I was going through a lot and I battled a lot of things, that I still always had my faith and. Um, and then I felt like a lot of the churches I had went to kind of like left me behind, and so I was going to try this one. And I asked her if she wanted to come, and at first she was like, no, maybe next Sunday. And I said, okay. And then as she, you know, every Sunday she'd, you know, peep her head out and be like, where are you off to? Oh, I'm going to church. Oh, okay. And then um, finally she was like, hey, can I come to church on Sunday? I was like, absolutely. And she's like, well, okay, I'll be there then. So we went together, and... Um, she liked it. <laughs> yeah. You guys really know how to have fun. They know how to have fun. They know how to show you love. They know how to teach you how to love regardless of where you come from. They're very accepting. And which kind of remind me of being back in Hawaii. Very accepting of who you are, the way you are. You ain't got to change. Just be you. And that's why I came to this church. And I'm like, I can, I can groove with this. I, I like it. You know? Jesus means to me. My every reason for getting out of bed in the morning. Um, it just, he fills that emptiness, that um, that hole that is hard to fill with anything else. And um, just, I don't know, I've, I've seen, I've seen God come into my life in so many ways that he kind of just takes all types of forms and you know, for my for my daughter and her health and my own health and just when you think it doesn't get any better, <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> so it's a uh, it's a little bit hard to describe what exactly he means, but what he is to me is my rock, <laughs> my strength. And he helps me see God by one being the mother that she is to a daughter. Having to go with the rigors of each day and each moment. Having to face the different challenges and crises that she has with a child who's disabled, who's not like most kids, and a little girl who wishes that she was. 
Jesus, you know, he's, he's, he's a miracle in her life. She gets up every day. This young woman has Parkinson's, she has breast cancer, she has osteoporosis, and she still finds a way every single day to celebrate life and to celebrate God. She taught me how to laugh and enjoy my laugh, belly laugh, and that's just the way she is on an everyday basis. <laughs> well, that's, that's how she looks at things. You understand what I'm saying? And so, this is my buddy. <laughs> and I love her to pieces. Shut up. <laughs> and, you know, there's no other way around it. There's, I don't have any other way to describe it. You know, so it's like, yeah. he, he's the miracle. And through her, he, he works miracles in everyone else's life. Seriously. Annie and Malama, can you guys stand real quick? I want to thank God. When you walked in today in your bulletins, one of the inserts was a place for you guys to write names of folks who don't know Jesus. That you will commit to praying for the rest of this year. Darius and John, would you guys get that table? right in front of the cross, and just bring it to the front. Before our service is done today, as you write the names of the folks that you will commit to praying, commit to loving, commit to sharing the gospel, there'll be a time for you to essentially commit to praying for these folks and enabling the Holy Spirit to work in and through you. And what we will do as a staff, this is crazy, y'all, but what we will do as a staff is we're going to take these stacks and we're going to pray for these names throughout the year. Every single one of them to join you. Before we do that, there is one last thing, which to me is probably the most important thing. Candice, come on up. This entire morning, we've talked about what it means for us to be a sent church. If you notice on your sermon bullet point, the very last, the very last part. Your hands are cold. It's okay. Mine are warm. It's okay. I'll keep you warm. Don't worry. They get real clammy though. Don't. Okay. Um, when we talk about us being a people that are sent, you need to know that we take that literally around here. It is the passion of our church to plant five more churches in the next 10 years. Now listen very carefully because I'm going to make an important pivot. People that have asked, why are we planting a church? Why can't we just grow one big church, one big family, so on and so forth? It's because we are, say it with me, sent people. And there's a group of folks in our church for the late month, last eight months who've been praying about, Lord, are you sending me as a part of New Community One Church to go to another community in the city of Chicago to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel? And there are a group of folks in our church who have responded, yes to that challenge and to call to be sent as a community. And today we're going to pray for them because next Sunday they're going to have a preview service. That is, they're going to hold a service to invite their neighbors and friends in the community of Bronzeville to see what the church will be like. 
It's a very important first step. Through Bronzeville Church Plant, I know that more people will be reached, more resources for kingdom will be raised, more leaders will step up to the plate, more lives will come to know Jesus Christ, more lives will be changed. And this morning, I've asked Candace right here to share a little bit about why she is taking this call to be sent as a part of a new community in Bronzeville, what you feel like the Lord is doing. Go ahead. I'm just going to hold your hand. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I never, um, I didn't feel like I was sent initially, uh, and I'm just learning that I have been sent. I was sent to Bronzeville. I was sent Mm -hmm. to this church, Mm -hmm. um, and I accept that now. Yes. So even though it's been tough (laughs) and I've been fighting, but um, I know that 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 is why I was sent. So here we are. And Pastor Peter actually asked me to talk about why I'm excited. And initially, I was not excited. I was, uh, I was afraid. Mm-hmm. And I was confused. Mm-hmm. Um, I was back and forth between this church and another church and not knowing where I should go. Um, so now I am excited, which I'm happy about. Um, next week is huge. And we're going to be in a school. So... It's actually one of the reasons why I'm excited is that we are in a school. Um, I'm a Chicago public school teacher and have been for 12 years. And um, our schools need healing, and we all know this. That's right. Our children need love. That's right. um, And they're not seeing that. And they're desperately relying on adults to demonstrate that, and that's just not happening everywhere. Um, We were back and forth between Drake and bright star and I was really really praying for bright star because it was a church building Um, I'm more comfortable with the church building now worshiping in a school I came up worshiping in a church building and so when bright star didn't come through and Drake did I you know asked God well why are we in Drake now why are we in a Chicago public school and not a church home and a building so uh, prayed and prayed about that, and then I realized we're in that building so that we can show off the glory of God Amen. in a school, Amen. which, it, I mean, I can't even imagine what's going to happen, but I'm just waiting to see God move through that school. Yes. Every yes. Sunday, we will be there worshiping, yes. and that is going to set the tone for the whole week. We get to build relationships um, and we get to demonstrate that. Yes. We really need our teachers and students to develop relationships, yes. teachers and parents, um, principals and teachers, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And we get to do that every single week. So I praise God for that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so neighborhood. Um, really excited that we're in Bronzeville. I planned to leave Bronzeville um, initially because I moved from Hyde Park to Bronzeville, which was huge, and I wanted to desperately get away, Um, and that was right before I came to this church, and I realized that I can't leave. Um, Not only am I trapped in the condo hot mess of situation, but uh, (laughs) I know... At least she's honest. (laughs) But um, I... I know now I'm making a choice to Amen. stay in Bronzeville, Amen. and I know that was no accident That's right. that we're That's planting right. a church That's right. in Bronzeville That's right. and I live there, so That's right. I accept that. 
But uh, <laughs> you go on accepting that, Candace, because not going to change. So, but, okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so the neighborhood, there's yes. just so much yes. um, potential there in terms of the people, um, the the wide variety of people, different different ethnicities. And um, that neighborhood, we know God is doing so much in, yes. and we get to join in on that. Yes, yes. Um, and I have more, but uh, I was told like two to three minutes, so yes. I'm going to stick to that. Okay. Because I don't want to be up here okay. in that. Okay. So, um, okay. <laughs> so relationships, um, finally. Um, I never, I didn't even know what a small group was, a community group, because we didn't do that in my church. And so now that I have been encouraged to join and I'm in it, um, it's just, I just praise God for my community group and just having that opportunity yes. um, to build relationships and come to know Jesus. Uh, Pastor Peter, you talked about um, doing life with people yes. who don't know Jesus. That's I didn't right. even know that I was. And, you know, I figured everybody that I know, most people that I know go to church. And I just figured that was enough. Yeah. And so now I'm realizing why all the people I hang around are, you know, don't know Jesus. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. And so we get, again, to build relationships That's right. and come to know Jesus That's right. together. That's right. Um, and uh, finally, uh, uh, mission. Mission. Um, you know, I always joke about in my community group that I grew up in a missionary Baptist church mm. without the mission, though. Oh, so, <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> So this is the first time I've really um, realized what what our mission is, what God's mission is, yes. and that you know now I know we are sent. Yes. We are sent people. Yes. And so um, I accept being sent yeah. to go to Bronzeville um, and uh, show off God's glory and fulfill his mission. So thank you. Stay right here. For folks that have sensed this call to be a part of Bronzeville and have been meeting with the launch team, co group, at this time I'm going to ask you guys to stand because we're going to pray with you. Go ahead, stand from where you are. Go ahead and remain standing. Remain standing. Remain standing. Remain standing. Remain standing. Man, y'all taking all the good looking people. What's up with that? Oh, anyway. Hey, guys. <laughs> what? I'm going to ignore that comment. You guys, you guys, listen. You see the people that are standing in the sanctuary? Here's what this means. There's four things that as you think about what does it mean for me to be a part of Logan Square. Because in our church, here's the phrase you're going to hear over and over again in the next few weeks. You're either a sender or a goer. You're either a sender or a goer. That means you either go because you feel compelled and called by God to be a part of this church in Bronzeville, or you're a sender. What does it mean for you to be a sender? You either go, or secondly, you pray. You're going to commit to praying for these men and women. You're going to be commit to praying for our church plant. You're going to be commit to praying for the preview services. You're going to commit to praying and joining with God that God will do this work. We're also going to ask you to give. We can't do this thing without you. And in case you're wondering, are we really financially invested about a a fifth of our, church, of our church entire budget is going into the church plant. And we rejoice in that. We are committed financially. That means we need you to financially give and join with us. And then lastly, it means serve. 
We need you to serve. What do I mean? As you look around, I'm looking at some of the key leaders in our church who've done an amazing job. And we're glad that we're going to be sending you out as leaders to do this work. But that also means that there's going to be a leadership vacuum that we need you to fill. Those of you that are senders, we need you to fill this leadership vacuum to say, you know what? As we send some of our best and brightest, I will then step up into leadership so that new community Logan Square will continue to send sending congregations. Here's what I'm going to do. I want you to bow your heads with me. And right after I'm done praying for Bronzeville, I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to come forward with that bulletin, insert prayer commitment card. And as you're committing to pray for those folks, remember also to pray and commit to praying for these folks. They will be sent out as a part of our church family, part of our church community in this missional call. God, we thank you for Candace. We thank you for the men and women that are standing here today. And yeah, God, there's a bit of sadness and there's a bit of longing in my heart. I'm not going to miss these guys. I'm going to see them all the time, but I'm going to miss them. But yet, Lord, the tinge of sadness is overwhelmed by joy in knowing, God, that we're just doing what you called us to do. We're just following your call to be sent out, God in our workplaces, in our schools, and now into an entire community as God's people to proclaim and to embody the gospel in Bronzeville. And so, Lord, as Candace so honestly shared, I know there's some fear, but we pray that you would come, Holy Spirit, and cast out our fear and remind us that you're in this, that you are with us, and that you will empower us. Thank you, God, that we'll see and the glory of God and embodied in another community as an extension of new community sentness. And we're incredibly excited to see the work that you will do. So we thank you for these men and women. We thank you for our brothers and sisters. And we rejoice and look forward to partnering with them, God, in this ministry of sentness. And God, now, as we prepare our hearts to lift up these names and to commit to praying for these names throughout the year. It is our heart's desire, Jesus. It is our heart's desire, Jesus, to be in intentional relationships with folk who don't know you and to pray and to share and to love and to serve that we might be witness of Christ, living out our sentness and our mission to our family, friends, and coworkers. As we lift up these names, it's just the first step, God, of a year-long commitment and then beyond to pray faithfully, God, for you to be at work in the lives of these men and women. And we join you, God, in the work that you are already doing in their hearts and in their lives. So, God, I pray that you would lead us and that you would guide us to be sent people who will pray and who will share and serve. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And as the worship team comes up and leads us in this final song, stand from where you are. Come on up. And if you feel led to just linger here and pray a little bit for these names, for your family, for your friend, coworker, do that. Otherwise, put the name in the basket. Go back to your seat. The one half is for you to send up here. The other half is for you to keep in your Bible to remind you to faithfully pray. Come on up and do it, guys. Come on up and do it. Come in to pray. 
Worship team, as you lead us out. We pray. We all stand together. I want you to join hands with the person standing next to you as I give this benediction. Join our hands as we give this benediction. God, we are your church. God, you have called us together to be a part of this body. God, bind us together as one for the sake of your mission. And as we leave this place today, remind us, God, that we have been sent. Tomorrow when we get up, you have a mission for us. And you promise to be with us and to empower us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Church, walk out of this place in confident joy that you are loved that you are valued, you are cherished, you are forgiven, you are redeemed, and yet you are also called and sent. Live out that calling in faithfulness as he goes with you, before you, and behind you and beside you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you back here next Sunday.